Thank you for listening to Mailbox Money, your guided tour through safe, sacred, and speculative investing with a plan and a purpose to do more good with newfound peace of mind. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Mailbox Money. I'm Jackson Wood, joined as always by my partner, Ryan Kruger. In today's episode, we are going to be a little different. And I'm sure that after you've listened to a couple of episodes or all of the episodes of the podcast, it's easy to tell that Ryan and I are a little different, uh, hopefully, hopefully in a good way here. Um, but this is one of our, our most, our, our, positions and our opinions that is significantly different from the rest of the investment world. And if you have spent any time reading or listening to anybody in finance, they will, uh, in investing, they will align with one of two crowds. Usually it's growth investing or value investing. And when I say that they will align, I, I really truly mean that like they have podcasts named growth investing or value investing funds are named with that, with that, their specific side of the camp. Um, your entire reputation as an investor can be based on your belief in one style of investing or the other. And so as you, you hear this, and as I hear this, and I talk with people, they'll ask, you know, are you a growth investor, a value investor, you know, which, which religion, which, uh, you know, which side of this, which team do you belong to? And uh, our different opinion is that, that that's really the wrong question to ask in the first place. Right? Why not be selective enough to wait when you're investing to wait for both? Why can't you find a company that is growing that is also a good value and a good price? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. One of our favorite overlooked companies, overlooked industries that we believe offers a giant opportunity going forward and all of the math and data to back that up. So welcome to the, to the club of being different here. And this is what really goes on when we talk about portfolio management and uh, investing in specific companies. We're going to pop the hood for the partners we serve. And yes, we'll talk about a specific holding as an example, but I hope it just triggers some second order thinking the next time anything grabs somebody's attention. If you're wondering how, how do we think about that or who else is winning or losing as a result of the crowd congregating around popular items. That's always how our hard wiring has been. Um, and we want to share a specific illustration. And there's no better example historically this year than the concentration of the crowd's dollars and attention on the largest technology stocks. Um, and to back up something you just said, just to set the table, Jackson, this is the benefit in our very, very biased opinion of selection and a concentrated portfolio. So there is one camp of all the camps you just described, Jackson, that have their heels dug in that if it's either I want to be a growth investor or a value investor, there's another camp that says just own them all and own all the indexes and all the funds and have a little bit of everything. Um, our humble suggestion, and we have evidence to back this up, that if you're willing to nerd out and pop under a lot of these hoods, what about 
finding stocks that are growing faster than average and that are undervalued. And there's a lot of disagreement just in that statement. I mean, I have to literally rip out those economic pages in my kids' college books now. There is no efficient market. I'm, I'm here to tell you. Um, and there's a case to be made. If you don't want to do this work, just own, own them both, own the indexes and be done. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you can do just fine. And average rates of return are more than fine for most people. But with evidence of companies that are priced below market averages and that are growing faster, the same companies, that's just a, a simple disagreement. And the, the way we find these is not being in one of those camps with heels dug in. And I love technology stocks or I hate technology stocks. They're overvalued or they're undervalued. We would never, ever, ever decide or have that conviction with heels dug in. We just want to remain open-minded and curious and we will stumble in and down some of these rabbit holes, which we're going to share with you today, um, to prove it. And they're fascinating. And, and I can't help but share them. I feel obligated to share these. And they're so uncrowded. Most have never heard of these. Um, and, and I guess I'll start with this question. Of all the technology um, that everybody is surrounded by listening to this right now, all of the most popular technology stocks in the debates, and then when all that technology gets replaced with new and they need to be upgraded, what is, and then they got to all store it in the cloud. Because I, I walked into our IT closet we have at our building, the world headquarters down here, and even Jackson Wood and Idaho's got to plug into this. And it used to be when we, when we <laughs> built this, it was this super cooled special server room. And I just, I mean, I was confused by the whole thing. I have, we have a whole IT department. I have no idea. I wasn't allowed in there, but I was like, actually, like in the summer, if I accidentally opened the wrong door, it's pretty cool because it was like really freezing in there. <laughs> and I, I, no joke, I was in there the other day. And I was like, what happened to like all these giant servers? And my COO said, remember, those are all offsite in the cloud. Now I was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and then I was like, well, what happened to that awesome AC in there? Because I wouldn't mind a no matter what the upgrades, no matter how stupid the digital dinosaur is stumbling into these closets, the one thing they'll all need is they got to be plugged into a wall. They need the juice. <laughs> they need the electricity. And in some cases, and you only get a few of these in your career as a portfolio manager, some of the confusion and debates around electricity can actually serve to accelerate some of the old fashioned solutions that are going to be needed even more for the new renewable, more powerful, better tech source. We're going to dive into that today too. Um, the, the beautifully boring company that we are stakeholders in that we thought would make the best illustration of this wild convergence, especially in technology that exhibits better growth and value. They make, old-fashioned copper and aluminum wires that's it and i think about this when I, I i'm blessed to be a dad of a kid who's in the crew behind stage okay at the theater and they got to go to the same rehearsals and they're in the same production of this big event and and just thinking about the next time you stumble into a debate or a business opportunity who, who are the guys and the gals behind the spotlight like the stage, these big seven technology stocks, they get all the attention and deservedly so. But 
the guys and gals behind the spotlight in the same production, caught up in the same growth, their view, and it just might cost a lot less to buy tickets to go sit with those. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think about that second order thinking. And I'm going to share, and McKay will put up on this. I'm, I'm hoping to knock you out of your chair to start with today, Jackson. I had a surprise image underneath some simple data that should ask a profound question of any index growth or technology investor, no matter how good those businesses are, what are you paying for them? So the, the picture that we're going to show here in just a second is one of these new data centers that need to be built more and more capacity and running all these former closets here for Kruger. And they're now in these giant <laughs> data centers and they're unbelievable. And everything in the cloud relies on these data centers and businesses can't build them fast enough. And so that's the image that, that, that you're going to be looking at here in a second. Um, and then I just simply ask the question of valuation. If all of this technology is growing and exploding and that tide will lift all of those different ships, you have to ask yourself, what am I paying for that growth? And so today we're talking about growth or value. We're going to use an electrifying example of that. So the largest seven technology stocks that have caught everybody's attention this year trade on average, if you take the seven at 63 times operating earnings. That's expensive. Some of those companies 10 years from now could even exceed expectations and come up with even more remarkable solutions. And for a stakeholder, you might end up break even or down from right where you are today. That's what happens when, and that's the reason valuation is so important. No different than any other business in your life. If you were going to buy the entire business, how much are you willing to pay? Or if you haven't bought a business, how much, the house may be great. What are you willing to pay for the house? So 63 times operating earnings and seven wildly different successful businesses. The guys and gals behind the spotlight backstage making the wires needed to pull the electricity from the grid, no matter what kind of energy they're burning, traditional or renewable, to get that electricity to their walls, residential and commercial, to plug in for that technology. The boring, beautifully boring in my humble opinion, wiring all of them by comparison Instead of trading at 63 times earnings, participating in all the same growth, they're trading at four times operating earnings. So last night, Ryan and I were, were talking about this and, you know, I, I pulled up the fundamentals of, of the company and I was shocked. And I, I, was, I was so impressed by this that I, I thought about tweeting a couple of things and, you know, just posting kind of some thoughts and giving a sneak preview of the episode today. Then I was looking at my Twitter feed and all I was tweeting about recently has, besides jujitsu has been cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so then I started to connect the dots of there is a tremendous out positive outlook 
on on things like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So much so that Wall Street and all the big firms are filing for ETFs and it's just filling up timelines and press releases of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining and these big mining farms that they're building in Texas and the renewable energy and public companies are now trading there. And then I saw a picture of a Bitcoin farm, mining farm, and I thought, the only way that this works is if they have the supplies and the parts and the equipment necessary to get electricity from their solar panels and their windmills and their you know, natural gas power plants to these big servers. And so I started to think about how this growth opportunity in the, in the, in the cryptocurrency space, how everybody is optimistic and Wall Street is putting their money behind it, is only going to be possible through these simple wires. And I, I say simple, I know that these you know, electrical components are far from simple, but just that, that overlooked component of we're so optimistic and so distracted by this big opportunity that perhaps we are overlooking and ignoring another very crucial key part of this entire story. And therein lies the opportunity for investors and this second level thinking, the second order thinking that makes a huge difference. And what Ryan said earlier stuck out to me that you run across these opportunities as a portfolio manager only a few times in a career. And so that that to me is incredibly powerful. And just seeing those numbers in the financials right there, um, that makes a huge difference. And that's really appealing. Well, there will be plenty of these technologies, whether it be one of those seven giant technology companies, whether it be blockchain technology and cryptocurrency that some would argue is should be an eighth and is going to be in that discussion. I don't know. And I love not knowing. Um, I like simple playbooks that will stand the test of time regardless, especially if their business model can be accelerated by some of that crowd and confusion and frenzy. And they all suck enormous tsunamis of electricity to make it work. And I just think there's not enough attention. People talk about oil and gas or technology. They talk about growth or value. Man, I love that the train tracks needed to get to all of those. And speaking of train tracks, I also noticed, and we mentioned a couple episodes ago, the subtle slow benefits, and I believe we'll be reading about this in 10 years, and everybody will say it was so obvious, but it's happening right now, and there's change and there's confusion. And I love finding the pivot points and our biggest opportunities have often coincided with subtle changes and turning points that are misunderstood and then they're undervalued. And what I called reshoring or onshoring, one thing we learned from the COVID moment was how we really shouldn't probably have a bunch of different manufacturing facilities all over the world with all sorts of balls being handed off and chances for fumbles if any of those were disrupted. So. I was struck by no matter how wild the opportunities and change and growth is this beautifully boring company. It doesn't have to be just this one. There are several. I just want to share this example because I'm on the earnings call this past week and they still open a good old copper and aluminum wiring business. They ain't going to change. They just need more of it because of all the change. I'm struck by how simple their business model remains and dare I say lean into that and that is the power of the playbooks that last so long. I hope our own business is an example of that. We preach the holy grail of simplicity and the one page business plan, the one page financial plan. But and I quote, customer service is still 
our strength. That's still what they're highlighting. Good old fashioned customer service. And how much more of that do we need in any industry these days? And they keep improving on it. And they went from one little campus and I think it was three, it was 68,000 square foot campus, one industrial warehouse when they just did residential wiring to now 3 million square feet across 450 beautifully boring Texas acres where the cost of building, where the cost of living, where the cost of working is an advantage that they're leaning into. They've cut out middlemen at every turn. So the customer service is such where they can fill an order all built on one campus. And then to make it even more efficient for their customers, they built the railroad tracks to get them out in 24 hours. Those advantages show up down the road if they're playing the long game and any businesses like this we talk about this a lot and exploding profit margins down the road if you're not taking shortcuts or trying to appeal to the next quarterly earnings call um, and, and we're going to share how and when we find these one of the clues and what it looks like when we talk about these turning points specifically what does it look like not in words Certainly not in predictions, because make no mistake, none of this is something we predicted or thought or found interesting until the math shoved us down this rabbit hole. And then we learn more. But the math and the evidence, opinion free, including our own, is what is what leads us there. Um, before we show that last image of a Mona Lisa <laughs> of pivot points and the stuff, people wonder what kind of what, what in the world is on my screen when I start screaming in delight. It's one of these charts, which we're about to show you. But I just want to share the, the last bit of fundamental second order thinking and not digging in heels on one side of the debate. And, and certainly energy and the environment has created a bigger source of confusion and debates and disagreement than any other I've seen in my career. And that's where some of these, and I, I, I don't know hyperbole, I don't overemphasize. When I say a couple times in a career, I've done this for 27 years, there's not too many questions that cause this amount of confusion. And in this case, overlooking something as simple as who's delivering that electricity. And not just the old fashioned sources, but the renewable sources too. Just a couple of simple data points that the wires needed to get them in both instances and the recycling of copper in particular I mean, people don't realize it's easy to say let's have let's electrify everything what do you need to do that that's my first question and then the ev cars and i don't own one i'm not a car guy but i'm also respectful of the crowds and better solutions and better technology and they are incredible and i think it's going to change all sorts of things but the simple math of it is that an ev car um, compared to a gas-fueled car. In a gas-fueled car, there's 18 pounds on average of copper. In an electric car, there's 180. There's going to be an enormous imbalance supply-demand for copper. And a good old-fashioned wiring business that now recycles its own copper is probably going to benefit the old-fashioned, overlooked, beautifully boring businesses um, so I want to share the, the last image when we talk about accelerating improvement, what in the world it looks like 
when some of these things, and they don't necessarily predict when and if they were going to be just fine without this giant push to electrify everything. And this is when we talk, we're going to call this episode electrifying growth or value. How about when it's growth and value? We showed you valuation earlier. Um, well, McKay is going to put up this pivot and turning point that happens quickly if you're paying attention and you're looking at, if you're listening to the podcast, as opposed to watching the video on YouTube, Jackson's not that offended, but he does do a pretty good job producing these with McKay. <laughs> what you're looking at is just since 2020, free cash flow for making these beautifully boring wires exploding, right? All of these long game decisions that they put in place and waited on for many, many years and eliminated, they have zero debt. And when demand takes off, these things can turn quickly. And what happens, and one of the measuring sticks we use in finding stakeholder yield, which we've talked about before, I wanted to share a specific example, because some undervalued companies, and this is the my biggest warning to anybody who believes in just looking at value stocks or value funds or undervalued opportunities, a lot of them and most of them, in fact, are cheap for a reason. They're not growing and they can stay cheap. And it doesn't matter what stock screen you're using. Cheap stocks are cheap for a reason in most cases. But when business is improving and they are growing, one thing that can happen, if we talked about 63 times operating earnings earlier versus four times operating earnings in industries that rely on each other, if the market, if the crowds continue to ignore opportunities like this, the other thing that can happen that we look hard for as far as clues. So that chart shows the exploding free cash flow. What did they do with it? Just since 2020, they have bought back almost 20% of their own shares from the disbelieving or ignoring public markets, proving in their minds with their decisions and their cash as stakeholders, they believe it is wildly undervalued. I love when those X's mark the spot. Yeah, I love that. It might need to go on the wall. This chart is, is absolutely glorious. So I'd, I'd encourage anybody listening, just click the link in the podcast, go to the YouTube channel real quick, make sure you subscribe, but also look at this glorious X marks the spot's perfect name for the, for the chart. I love this. And uh, really the, the purpose of this was to, to give the listeners and our partners those of you that listen to the show, a glimpse into what goes into portfolio management, why we are so excited and optimistic about the future here, and wherein, you know, what goes into finding these opportunities and, and you know, daring to be different. I love this entire thing. So with that, if anybody out there would like to schedule a meeting with our team, you can email us team at freedomdaysolutions.com. Check out our website, which is freedomdaysolutions.com. And with that, we will see everybody next week. This show is brought to you by Freedom Day Solutions, LLC, a registered investment advisory firm advising individuals and families nationwide. Performance is not guaranteed and past results are not necessarily indicative of future performance. To learn more, visit freedomdaysolutions.com. This show contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and was shared for informational purposes only. Any forward-looking statement or opinion expressed is subject to change without notice. Nothing contained herein constitutes investment, legal, tax, or other advice 
nor is it to be relied on in making investment or other decisions. Clients of Freedom Based Solutions may hold positions in the securities discussed.